This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Well, let me into your heart, and I'll walk all over you. From the early, early morning till the end of time, let me do what all your other men do. You've told me about the guys from your past and though you've never really seen me like that I can be bad just as good as any other man I can empty your wallet as fast as he can I can be Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. That was uh, <clears throat> our dear friend Tracy Newman with uh, her song, I Can Be Bad. Um, I don't have any headphones today, so I really wasn't listening at all. So I'm 
positive that it was a fantastic song because Logan picked it, of course. And Tracy Newman, as we were just discussing, is really a fantastic fucking songwriter. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, welcome to today's show. I'm a little scrambled. My brain is officially scrambled. That's what happens when you sit in your house most days and just write things on a little screen and don't talk to the outside world and 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 relive every moment of your entire life <laughs> <laughs> while writing it down. So it's truly throwback Thursday every day for you. Oh, it yeah. it is uh yes, every moment is <laughs> every moment is throwback, is throwback Thursday. Thursday. Uh and the last uh two and a half weeks have been particularly impossible because I was writing about the darkest days of my family. So it was throw up Thursday. <laughs> it was <laughs> It was throw up Thursday. I did feel like throwing up most days. Uh, I was having so much somatic uh, symptoms going on from the stress of writing these two chapters about my mother's alcoholism and my parents' insane arguing. Um, <laughs> I was positive that I was dying. But I'm not. I'm still here. So, uh, but yeah, I'm glad those chapters are done. And But it has left me feeling... Uh, Weird. And today, I, in order to, I, I, I'm done with them and I sent them off to the editor. And the only way I could kind of reboot was to dust my bedroom. <laughs> For some oh. reason, that felt like, like, oh. like just I organized my bedroom and then I dusted everything because mm. you know how that dresser gets. Yeah. That dresser gets dusty. You don't realize it and you go like, ooh, that's thick. That's a nice thick thing. And, so I took every watch and receipt and a uh, small earring back off that dresser and um, dusted and put everything in its place. And it's impressive you waited until you finished writing to do that. <clears throat> you know? Often that happens during the writing. You know, it does. Yeah. And they're kind of an analogous for each other. You're digging down, you're getting through the muck to find the real thing. Yeah. See where they go. Housework is a big part of writing. It Very is. Very big part of it, writing. It is. And, and I actually, some days, you know, I'll start, you know, I do 45 minutes or an hour and a half of da 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 and get it all out on the page. And then you got to kind of synthesize it. And so sweeping, uh, sweeping oh. for me is a, a physical thing that actually helps me synthesize. Very on, meditative. Yeah, on some other part of my, do, in my mind. As a specific rule when I'm under any sort of a deadline, mm -hmm. that for this amount of hours, I'm allowed to be writing or cleaning. That's all I'm allowed to do. <laughs> and then when I can't, when I got nothing, then I go clean until my brain goes, oh, I see what I have to. Oh, and then yeah. I'm back at the, it the is desk because I hate cleaning. Yes. See, that's the yeah. thing. The house is beautiful. My house is beautiful right now. <laughs> what do I hate, hate more cleaning, than but... writing? Cleaning. I gotta end. I'll do anything not to clean. That's right. I'll write. I'll even write not to clean. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like really thrilled to be in this room today uh, with my three guests because I know we're just gonna be silly and laugh and talk about something, but uh, it's just gonna be a nice distraction from the way my the last few weeks have gone. Uh, but I did want to just uh, recap a little bit about what's been going on the last few weeks. Um, Last week, my husband Bob and I went to uh, Jay Leno's, the taping of uh, Jay's last show. And my husband Bob was a cameraman on the show. He worked about three to five days a month there for the last 10 years. And and I really wanted to be there uh, because uh, The Tonight Show was very, very good to my family uh, since probably before I was born. I don't remember when my dad did the Jack Parr one, but um, <clears throat> it, it's been about 50 years. So, and then of course, the West Coast version of it 
since I think it was 72 when Carson moved out here. And I have a vivid memory of going to watch my dad at the NBC studios and the uh, studio next to the one that Carson uh, was at, the Tonight Show was at, was one that was kind of uh, revolving. And it was like either Flip Wilson or the Midnight Special taped there. And I remember I was about 10 years old. It was about 73. The time that Freddie DeCorvita, he was the big executive producer on the Carson show, and he had a golf cart and his golf cart license plate said Fred D D D D D D, and everyone knew who Freddie was. And he said to me, Hey kid, you want to take the golf cart out? And he let me take his golf cart out and drive it around the studio. And I drove it around the back area where all the sets are stored and the big wall with the laugh-in set with the windows that open ah. and that everyone could see. That was right there as I drove by. <laughs> and then I went down another way and I guess the Osmonds were shooting a holiday special or something. And Jimmy Osmond came out and I he came in, he got in the golf cart with me and we drove to the candy bar machine. And we bought candy bars and ate candy bars together. And so for me, the Tonight Show, I have this like fond memory of that. And it was it was really fun to be there in the audience. It, the whole audience was just crew and staff members and family. He invited all of us to come to be part of his last show. And uh, you know, whether you're a fan of Leno and his humor or you're uh, on Team Coco or whatever the fuck that is, uh, I have to say the last three minutes of the show when he talked about what the show meant to him, he talked about how the first year uh, he got the show, he lost his father and the next year he lost his mother. And then a few years after that, he lost his brother and he had no family left and the show became his family and it made Everything about Leno suddenly makes sense to me. And my heart just opened up for this man. So it was just, it was a really beautiful, uh, beautiful show and really fun. And I was honored to be there. And uh, there was a big party afterwards. And uh, I ate lots of food and drank lots of alcohol for that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I had fun though. Uh, so, but so I just wanted to honor Mr. Leno. And, you know, he's going to go off and, and do his thing. But, uh, I, it was just – it was a fun – it was a fun little historic thing to be at. I, I thought it was great. Wait. So you're saying Jay Leno is going to be on the show today with us? Uh, no. He's not oh, showing oh, up, no. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and uh, the other big things going on, of course, are the Olympics, which I don't know if you guys – are you guys Olympics fans? Are you watching? Not no, you don't all. watch any TV. Very, we decided very you watch one half hour of television <laughs> the last two years. No. No. <laughs> I don't know. Exaggerated, but – no Olympics. What? A comedian exaggerated? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Olympics fan. I love that crap. I do. I just get all stupid about it. But see, for me, I purposefully watch the really obscure ones. I watch curling. <laughs> I watch the biathlon. Because the hey. biathlon is cross-country skiing and shooting. That's what yeah, I love right. that stuff. It's like a Bond film. That yes, one. It's exactly. like a, the, the two things Bond needs to open every film with. <laughs> Uh, they should have the other Bond events. <laughs> yes. you know, uh, uh, Stooping. Car jumping. Car jumping. Car jumping. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, a base exploding. <laughs> yes. Um, the cliff jumping kind yeah. of thing. You know, and, any and, of the right, skiing weird, events. Weird gadget that helps you escape. Yes. yes. Skyscraper repelling. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, rock 
jetpacking. Jetpacking. Yeah. No, the Olympics. I like the snowboarding. I like the stuff where they do the crazy midair stuff. Now, exports really seem like the new martial art in a way to my eye. The same thing Mm -hmm. that dazzled me about Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan or any of those guys. These guys dazzle my Mm -hmm. eye. It Mm kind of reminds you, oh, a human can do that too. And I had, you know, you, you really have our little limited cigarette butt length dream for ourselves yes. about what you're capable of yes. and there they go flying there's a kind of human that's co- comfortable upside down 50 feet in the air <laughs> yes. flying along at 40 miles an hour for one 250th of their entire life yeah yeah absolutely i mean they, they are the the people that you know 400 years ago, got in boats and went to, to explore the new world. Yeah. You know, they're that no, kind of you're mentality. probably going to go right off the edge. <laughs> There's dragons and things. In, in the fact, end. they were planning to go off the edge, do a double do flip, a t- <laughs> land on the other side on the way down. Oh, Lars stuck it. <laughs> Nailed it. It's funny you mention that because I was, you know, the last two seasons I've been, or actually three, I've been watching a lot of the Alpine skiing and specifically the women's downhill. I got really into the women's speed uh, stuff and Lindsay Vaughn, who's not in these Olympics, but she's uh, been the one person I've been watching. And, and I'm I, like, I know all the women's names now, and I know where they're from, and I'm I'm really kind of into it. And I was thinking about this, like you know, in my kind of Jungian analyst way, you know, what is this? Why am I so? And it's kind of the way I've felt in my life the last two years around just being on a stage and you know having this momentum in my career and things happening faster than I can even process, you know? And so I think by like kind of watching these women, specifically women, go on two skis, 80 miles an hour straight down a hill. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know what? Those women can do that. Then I guess there's some part of me that feels like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking just aiming those skis down the hill and just well, fucking you going for it. <laughs> how, how dare I be worried about doing it metaphorically when they're doing it literally? Right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'll be over I here know. with a peppermint patty if anyone needs me. Uh, <laughs> this is as close as I'm getting to that. But it is like just being reminded that like humans do can handle that, you know? And but some... it's also very sort of poignant that the moment you take to slow down, which is what TV watching is. Mm. You're watching other people go fast. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I'm, very I'm true. Here, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, well, she's got time to watch that. It's not going that fast. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like I don't have time to turn on the TV at all. Oh, like, yeah. That's what I feel like. Oh, my God. I cannot enter. I once saw – I wonder what you think of this. I once saw a, a debate on PBS, maybe Charlie Rose, that was, some guy was saying, some super smarty pants – was saying that he never watched TV because he felt TV was a disruption of time. Mm. And sure. I was so against that at the time. That's ridiculous. And it stuck with me all these years later. Like, I think mm. a radical disruption, a violent r- r- interruption. Sure. He was I like, could a take violent interruption. I could of take time. that stance for and sure. And I was like, I. Th- but then I was like, maybe you do want to violently interrupt time. I mean, isn't that sort of what we try to do all the – isn't that what stand-up is? Yeah. When you get on stage, mm. you are sort of violently interrupting <laughs> the flow of how time feels in your life. And who's who Who gets to say um, 
you know, maybe it's just part of the flow of time too. Yeah. Sitting down and watching. I mean, TV, the idea so. that, like, yeah, and the idea <laughs> that time just flows in, like we all know, that's the, right. sort of a myth that we've been brought up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a trick of the mind. Oh, by the way, everyone, um, I know we're already sitting here talking with everyone, so I do want to introduce my guests. I mean, I normally officially do it at an official point, but uh, today's different. Today's different because <laughs> I have no brain left. Uh, so the voice on my direct left, <laughs> as you're listening to the radio, it'll be on your left. <laughs> Yeah, so that speaker <laughs> closing on the door. The, 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 this gentleman here is, uh, is a familiar voice, certainly here on the Octagon discussion table, Mr. Dylan Brody. Hello, Kelly Carlin. May I call you Kelly Carlin? You may, Thank you. since I've called you Dylan Brody. Certainly. Fair is fair. I, I suppose. Yes. And uh, the uh, the other feminine voice in the room today is the fantabulous Beth Lapidus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you Dylan. I'll call you Kelly. <laughs> and, and that I, we funny, will call you the fabulous Beth Lapidus. <laughs> and that and that fabulous chuckle that you're hearing uh, in your other ear is Mr. Rick Overton, of course. Hello, everybody. Hi, I'm Crazy Neighbor Rick. Do I smell flapjacks? Hey, just here to borrow something, stick my head in for the gratuitous applause break. <laughs> Okie doke. See you later. <laughs> Hey, Sister Kel. Uh, so, yeah, the whole time and TV thing. Very interesting. I, well, I, don't I like that. I like that. And well, I thought you might be interested in that. It is. It is. It is interesting. And also, you know, I am a product of, as we all are, the TV age. You know, I grew up with that thing on my parents. That I don't think the TV was ever turned off in my house, oh, practically. Really? Oh, my parents had strict rules about White television. noise. White noise in the background for my oh, house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. What was your rule? Uh, uh, when I was very young, I was allowed half an hour of television a night mm -hmm. uh, until Laugh-In came on. And then I was allowed to stay up and watch Laugh-In as well as whatever half hour was. Uh, and and I love that. Throughout the years, uh, you know, I was allowed a little bit more, but it was never during the daytime, never. No, and you didn't, you have, a, you didn't have a TV in your own bedroom. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. See, no. I had one. I have to tell you, I was not interested. I, TV was a family event. Oh. So I was like, mm. <laughs> Check I'll go read. <laughs> <laughs> Says Remember, everything about Beth's childhood right there. Remember when a show was going to start at a certain hour and you just, you had to drop everything and get yeah. back. There's no recording it. Oh, there's no, no. seeing it till Kids months today, later. Yeah. Kids today have never heard the words, come on in here, it's starting. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Doesn't exist. <laughs> well, restart it. Wind it back. <laughs> Pause. I'm getting a salad. <laughs> I thought Batman was really scary when when I was little, I thought, oh my God, that show's so scary. Oh, I didn't understand. I did not understand. I laugh and I laugh at It's scary to see a man with boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is scary. It scares the shit out of me now. Look. I have sympathy terror. I was a big comic books kid, and I remember at one point they started rerunning Superman, the old black and white Superman mm -hmm. shows in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. And I would get home from school, and I would watch on the Den TV with the sound turned way down so that if my parents got home, I could turn it off before they knew I was watching TV in the afternoon. Because oh, that, was, that was like my big Secret. naughtiness was that when was I was porn. watching old bad television <laughs> about men in tights. Yes. <laughs> your dad would have enjoyed that. Yeah, he would have. He would have joined true. you probably. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, and of course, the other thing uh, that's been going on the last few weeks, actually in the last week or so, is we've lost two huge, huge icons from the entertainment world. Shirley Temple, who for me was another one that I, I spent hours watching on television. I mean, mm -hmm. she, she, as a little girl, and I look at her and I was like, 
that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. I want to do that really? singing and dancing. Just, oh, yeah. I so like parallel life. I'd be in musical theater right now. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yep. Well, you would yep. be her. I, really? I found her so frightening. It's <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Shirley Temple. <laughs> I found her so frightening. I want to spend time in your nightmares. Oh, my God. It just seems so scary to me. Oh, I I just, mean, now as a grown-up, I look at it and I think, oh, it's adorable. Oh, I so related. I so, like, was she was, like, firing all my mirror neurons <laughs> off. Oh, yeah, oh, She yeah. seems so squeaky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't care. I just, she just, was on the TV and she was a little kid. I was like, how do you get that gig? How about that girl? Oh, yeah. That, see, now that's where I jumped. Then oh, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Oh, for sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be a grown up. Yeah. I wanted to be a grown up until now when I right? am a grown up. It seems so, I don't know what I thought I was so great about it. <laughs> it was the ability to exit the house when you wanted to. It was almost and eat nothing whenever you but want, that. Yeah. It's the same and parameters eat. a dog would want it for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, eating and leaving. Eating, eating and, and leaving. leaving were the two things. What's the what is what's the seniority petted. package? Yeah, <laughs> getting petted. <laughs> the petting goes down the only again. <laughs> Puppies collect the maximum amount of petting. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. How little kids, um, you know, they just feel such freedom. They can say anything and do anything and just be in the moment with anything, and they can just be like, you know, walking through the market. Also, they go. Aah! You know, I'm like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Of course, they put you away. I that. love that yeah, moment when right. you see a little kid and they've been left alone for a minute and you can see that they've got a whole storyline going in their head. You know, they're, they're moving from one square to another in the tiles and there are rules involved and you can't quite tell what it is. And then when they're on the green square, their right hand has to go out and then they turn around suddenly and it's like, you can tell there's something going on. You just want to say, explain it all to me. Explain it all to me. If I knew this game, my world would be complete. It's like the Lego movie. I want to go see that. I've heard it's fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Shows over, people. We're all going to see the Lego <laughs> yes. movie. All right, everyone, get in your cars right now. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's it's about the battle for imagination uh, in a world that wants you to lock everything in place. Uh, what a great and, message. Uh, the way they do it is is clean and not edgy mm. in any way that would hurt the maximum amount of people seeing it at once. Mm. 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 Beautiful. Brilliant. It's brilliantly done. I love when they like do when that. Like when Pixar nails it. Right. It's like when Pixar nails yes. it. You'll get that same feeling you got from Wall-E. Every, right. Everyone can go the and first see it. Act no one's got an agenda. <laughs> and then, Let's be clear. <laughs> Not right. The first, then it gets maybe second act, <laughs> which is okay. You know, and yeah. it, this is very political. Though, like but you know, can I bring this around to fate? Of course, because it's so interesting. That thank God you're bringing I, it around to fate. I loved. Oh. Well, I mean, I did well, love the beginning of Wally. It was amazing, and I watched the commentary afterwards. And they were saying, who wrote it? I'm having a brain. Mm. But the commentary was that the they didn't have an end. They did not have an end, and that's why when they wrote the third, nothing kept not being able to come together. Right? Because when they started the begin, when they started it, they didn't know where they were headed. So yes, they did have an amazing beginning, but they themselves did not think the third act was very good. Hmm. And uh, it makes me think of fate because fate or destiny is that third. I mean, it's like if is the third act. Mm. Is the third act pre-written? Mm-hmm. If the third act is pre-written, mm. then it's a different life than if the third act is not pre-written. Yeah. And are we always rewrite? So I that's thought, a, I'd, God, that's great, Beth. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. I could, uh, I should have hired you today to come in and just make that freaking brilliant segue. I mean, it is that is so such uh, such you know food for thought. I mean, you know, if the third act is written. 
then what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. If our, you know, that just means we're figuring out a way to get there. Yeah. You know, we're most or, of us, we're already out of the first act. Sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in that mid second act that area. Very yeah. tricky area. Boy, yeah. Boy just lost girl. <laughs> yeah. We're, I can actually feel the writer panicking <laughs> yes. in the back of my head. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, crap. He's off track. We don't know how to fix it. <laughs> That's right. I've got a ticking clock. <laughs> yeah, it's that part where you're, you're, you're in the middle of the second act as a writer and you're going, yeah, I, I had a vision. I had a vision for that. I knew we weren't supposed to be getting in that third act, but I know. I'll start fuck? cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I keep handing. I'm working on an outline. And I keep handing it in, and I keep getting no, not not no. Don't start writing yet. Outline's not there. Uh, not there. Who like, do you get to hand uh, outlines into? Boy, do I wish I had that. Someone who could just tell me when it's not going anywhere. <laughs> who books that? Who books that gig? Who that That's gig? my manager. Oh, oh right. there you go. So you need one of those. Right. <laughs> uh, you can hand it in to me. I, yeah, that's maybe. true. I, I mean, you always have a friend to hand it into. Absolutely. You've got to get people to hand it into. Uh, mm. It's essential to do that. Feedback. Feedback is essential. And and so, uh, so, so, so then would God be handing us in... Like then you, if your feedback is essential, I think about this. So if we're supposedly, I know this is probably an atheist show, but say if there is, no, this is the show where we like to to talk about all of it. So that's so that's if why. there is a thing where there is a fate or a destiny that right. comes from outside of us, right? Mm-hmm. Then we are getting handed in. Then it's being handed in to us all the time. Right. You're getting and feedback from the universe. Yes. And we are saying, mm, I give, you know, is it, you're See, handing it back and saying, eh, it's not, it's not, right. I mean, I'm somebody, you need to tweak it a little. I mean, I definitely am somebody who did have like some things like, I don't think my second act is going the way it's supposed to go. And mm. I made huge changes. You did. In the past three years. And uh, I do feel like I'm in my real life more than, but it was really hard. I don't really know how I did it, honestly. You know, uh, well, and I, I think what <laughs> required no TV and Matt, I mean, it just requires yes, so the city. much. You left I, the city for a while. I left the city first, but then I left a 20-year relationship yep. that and a, a creative partnership. partnership. Yep. And I had a house, a financial ruin. I stopped drinking. I mean, it was like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, but I do feel like I'm in my real life. Like, even though it's really hard, I'm like, oh, well, here I am. This was my destiny and fate, and here I'm in it. Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, I, I think that the that that I think what we're talking about is, in some way, awareness and consciousness. When something's not going well, when the second act isn't going well, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and that that thing you say to yourself is, you know, what what do I need to do different? You know, and, and so, so for me, it's like, this is where this gets interesting because it's like, whether there's destiny or not, you're taking responsibility on and saying, I need to change course. You know, whether that course, if even ch- if is changing course, then part of your destiny? <laughs> well, it's sort of like, do you feel you're Wasn't in? Wasn't I supposed to meet you in Samara? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you feel you're in the flow? I guess when you feel like you're in the zone or the flow yes. or however you want to say it. Yes. Then you are meeting your, I think it's possible to live a life where you're not meeting your destiny. Yes. And so if you're in the flow, flowing towards your destiny, you can feel it. If you're resisting your life. Mm-hmm. 
That's a different feeling. If you treat it like an improv, it goes better mm. than if you're treating it like it's a play. Mm-hmm. And that's why people who are strictly reading out of their religious document of choice mm-hmm. are wondering why the tornado still hit them, you know? Yes. Uh, they weren't. Because tornadoes. They, improv is, you know, there's, there's the joke about what about the boat and the helicopter I sent you? The guy in the. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Him, That's it. Yeah, and right. No, no. Dogma says it's printed. I got to right. wait here where the X is. Right. The. The face of God has to show up, not in the helicopter. The, yes. Yeah, right. Yes. And that's, no, someone isn't improvising. They went no and and killed the scene. Well, because evolution, life is improvising. I mean, you know, you look at just biological life and all it ever does is improvise. And, and is willing imp- to fail. Yes, yeah, well, completely. Uh, oh, the three-legged frog didn't work at all. All right, those will die off. But the French, the French love it. It's a bargain. <laughs> well, you know, in the success literature, failure is you know Zig Ziglar and all those guys. Right. You know, fail. Who like, was remarkable in that he succeeded with that name? <laughs> well, he was destined to with that name. <laughs> <laughs> You, how could you not succeed with a name like Zig Ziglar? Yeah, that's right. Where'd you get that first name? How'd you come up with it? Yeah. But you know, the key to success is failing more. Well, because in failure, you're actually learning. Learning, and you're getting feedback. Yeah, feedback. Yes, you're getting can, feedback from life. Can you be, can you have pride in knowing you were the 659th uh, uh, filament that Edison tried? Yeah, and you right. Went, for a second there, you yeah. know, but he went, hmm, okay. That's the one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that how many he tried? Oh, no, yeah. No, he went to thou- He went to several, like uh, close to a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So just it's if you're in the 600s, remember. it's getting there, you it's know? It's good We're to remember. There, but I, I don't want to say your dream is anybody like that. And it also, dream adjustment is look at the conditions around you. You can't hold a 1996 dream up on the shelf anymore mm-hmm. and expect anything to hit it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not real. It's not going to attach anything. Now, success is coming out like the weirdest left field places, like people who suddenly come up with the orange is the new black and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and invent an app and stuff like that. Success is based on completely different rules. And if you're not up to date with what works out there and where the market's going, if you're if you're grounded in sticking to where it used to happen, you, you, you'll just be in the books. I think there's a danger in that thought, which is the belief that you can be up to date and know where things are happening now. Mm-hmm. I think that... I think what what's Can really required is that whatever is coming at you, you just keep working with what's in your hands, what's available, and what your next idea is. And if something sticks, it's great. And in the meantime, you have to take pride in the effort you're making to express yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I decided last week I'm done trying to get on Carson. <laughs> Um, <laughs> We're really proud of you that you've moved on from that goal. Thank you. I think it's too soon. <laughs> I know I'm a little clingy, but <laughs> but like you know, I get I get uh, jobs. I get these weird jobs where people will call me. I did a thing on on KPCC recently about it, where I was called to write a viral video. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that. <laughs> Uh, right one. We've got we've got a million and a half dollars ready to put into to pushing. Okay, that's not a viral video. That's a commercial. That's a commercial that you're going to back. That's yeah. not that's not what. Hoping so that it'll try- become a viral. Yeah, video. everybody's trying to jump on the bandwagon that left last week. Right, right. On the phrase they don't understand what it takes yeah. to make the phrase. I, yeah, and you know, yeah, when we did those Amazon mm-hmm. on cabarets. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon, we did them, and we were waiting for a release date, and then they were like. Three weeks before Christmas, they're like, oh, let's do it in two weeks. 
because <laughs> and get all your friends to tweet it. Just do it. Just like make it happen in two weeks. Like get everybody to do the links and the things. And I was like, all right, it doesn't happen like that. No. <laughs> it doesn't happen like they're like, oh well, that's when it's happening. But it's, in an uh, attempt to help something really. make, help make something happen for somebody that I love, can I just say on Amazon Originals? Your stuff is great, Thank you. but I just recently saw Jill Soloway's yeah, show, really Transparent. Good. I must mm-hmm. watch it. it I is heard Tambor is amazing. Absolutely Jeffrey amazing. Yeah. He does a performance. He does one of those performances that is so nuanced that I could see where it was going before anything was there in the script about it. Right. And it is beautiful and it is lovely oh. and everyone should watch Transparent on Amazon Originals. Beautiful. They should. And I will say, just on that, Jill told the story of that before she did the Amazon thing out on Cabaret. Mm. So to hear her, to, you know, it was sort of, sort of wow. amazing to watch because we heard it just from her telling it, this is what happened. Right. And then after she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, that's a good idea. And just, you know, I'm sure oh, she had it in her that's mind. That's so cool. She was a script before, but it was. That gives I, me chills. Yeah. It was See, and wonderful. that's, so uh, that's like, yeah. But well, that's is, where it's going, guys. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's really well done. Yeah. It's yeah. a really spectral, fanned out market now. Mm. But it's interesting mm. also, Dylan, because, uh, you know how I've that I don't watch TV. I have watched it, but in little the way I think the way we watch, I know the way I watch mm-hmm. is so different. And this might be one reason you love your downhill skiing. It's fast. <laughs> and you don't have to watch that <laughs> much of it. <laughs> it's over. It's like an eight second watch. And, and I the- watch transparency in it's transparent. Yeah. In like little oh, I had a time between the phone call and the thing. I'll uh-huh. watch another four minutes. And it worked. And oh, yet really? totally, totally it totally worked. And yet people scene. are binge watching, you know, whole weekends. Yeah. Where, but what, it works like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all watch so yeah. differently. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we must live differently if we're watching differently. So, so this, this thing about destiny, I mean, when I think about, I mean, like when we all kind of connect and inside of ourselves about, you know, like we're moving along, we, you know, we start to create an idea of who we are and identity and, and we have an idea of the direction we want our life to go. And as we travel through our teens and twenties and thirties and forties, whatever it is, um, you know, and you, you were talking about it earlier about that, that sense of flow, that sense of connection. And and here we are in 2014. I almost said 2012 because it's it's like that. It's like how fast are we going? Year of the horse galloping, galloping. We are, we are galloping. And and so here we are. You know, maybe we had we've had a, a dream about our life for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. Ten for those five, of you who are much younger. Jesus Christ, <laughs> four years. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, here we are, we're talking about this new, uh, you know, because we're all in the entertainment industry, we're, and, you know, we're talking about this new way, uh, product and content and media is all explored. A- and yet, I mean, here I am, f- 50 years old, doing this podcast uh, in this form that was invented, you know, you know, last maybe, Thursday, yes, pretty much, yes, <laughs> and made, you know, a, a real force of something, you know, and just been on sold Sunday. for a billion dollars, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and and yet, I, it's like I feel like this show is something like I was destined to do in my life, but I could have no idea of what that possibly was five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, and yet I feel like every little bit of my life, all the pieces brought me together. To sit around and have these conversations in this particular form. Well, all the pieces are there for you to have the conversations. I think there's a, an element of hindsight bias that's going on there. Sure, where, good. Where you're in a place and you go, well, this is exactly where I meant to be because all of these things happened before that put me here mm-hmm. when, in fact, this is where you are. Oh, okay. I yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and, and I, I would absolutely accept that. And 
uh, at the same time, there's some sort of um, somatic experience when you know you're in the right place at the right time in your life. Uh, and maybe it is just, I'm just here, but my mind is making meaning out of it in that moment. And the meaning I choose to make of it is that, yes, I am here in the right place at the right time. And this is part of my destiny. Yes. And and looking back over the, the history that brought you here and saying all of that led to this yeah. is part of the brain's natural impulse pattern, to pattern create making. pattern and, and yeah. make sense of what I think is an inherently chaotic and difficult universe. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And destiny meets attitude, or what I like to call destitute. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be Rick's new TED talk. That's right. Oh, we should give that to Troy for uh, for teleprompter. Destitude. Destitude. And Destiny the, the sad thing is that I'm sure there are people living under freeways who are going, well, you know, I, this is where I need to be right now. But and you all know what? You say that with a joke, here. but some of the hardest times I've been through, I'm like. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is, yeah. I mean, sometimes, I don't know, I'm not saying it's good to be under freeway. I mean, obviously, that's hard. As but Voltaire I, said, of course we live in an equal society. The wealthy aren't allowed to live under the bridge either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but sometimes you, yeah. I mean, the I mean, the things you learn, you don't learn things from, from when it goes, well, you do learn from when it goes easily because you learn you learn how that much you're willing. Feeling. To, you, you learn how much you're resisting the good. That's what I learned. I I am of self sabotage. That's the moment when I learn how I can fuck things up in the best of times. <laughs> Brilliantly done, self. Touche, self. Wow, you really took me down a notch, didn't you? I took me down. Why I have half a mind to take me by the. <laughs> no, but you you make a good point about that. The uh, the homeless person under the bridge. I mean. I mean, I when I'm driving around LA and oh, there's just the, the amount of homelessness going on. And I was standing, I was driving in my car and this young girl, she was not 20 years old, easily 17, 18. Um, I, I don't know what she was doing on the streets. She was, you know, begging for money and I, I gave her some. And, um, and I, you know, and I think about that, I think, oh, what a load of fucking crap this destiny bullshit is you know because this person is she living <laughs> so like i get the special thing i get to drive around in the mercedes and and have a decent life and this when is, she's this 50 is, she might have a mercedes she might she might absolutely but it, it does it makes you go oh why is you know my brain doesn't know you had a mercedes i'm recalibrating right now <laughs> <laughs> i i do i have a nice mercedes wagon I'm a soccer mom. No, I'm not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think about that. I think, you know, I, it gets into the whole, you know, why do some of us have good lives and some of us have shitty lives thing? So I don't know. Do you think that we only have one life? I, I don't know. Certainly only one at a time. Yeah, that's that's the way I feel about <laughs> that. I don't, I've been up and down and all around with that. I mean, if, you know, when I think about the physics and the logic of it, I think – well, yeah, we do only have one life. But I've also had very strange experiences with people who are 
dead and right. you know and other things and senses and my dead mom- and other things i love that I, phrase i once had an interesting dead experience and with a woman other who was things. Dead. <laughs> well, you know, that's a like, good song title me- logan you should use that <laughs> dead and other things memories and uh <laughs> my mom had a weird experience when she was in jerusalem and you know who knows i don't dimensional shifts yeah i mean i the, my maybe whole- it's all physics yeah maybe it is no, maybe there is parallel one day the word meta falls away and they yeah. just start treating it like it's another form of physics because we don't know anything. string theory seems to yeah you know let in other kinds of concepts about parallel 11 lines right 11 parallel universes yeah, at this point minimum to? Yeah, yeah right yeah. just of uh where where you, we have maybe duplicate selves making other decisions entirely that got another break in their childhood or had another weird thing and it branched off you know yeah. butterfly effect and whatever other direction maybe i'm the homeless girl on the corner begging and uh hmm. who knows you know yeah. yeah who knows who knows but yeah i gotta but you deal- have to deal with i gotta deal with this one here yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why in a dream in a dream it, nobody makes any sense but you know everyone's name but you don't know their faces from your life but you recognize them and you aren't who you would be in your normal life but there you are running from whatever you know there you are flying in a parking lot again flying in the parking lot <laughs> i love my flying dreams huh? i'm always teaching people to fly in my flying dreams oh, oh that's really? very cool i'm always like hey hey this is how you do it this is how you do it and i like I've... teach people how to do it and yeah, the pedaling I, I run first and then i take a leap yeah I, as I I just like person after person just <laughs> ah, going off the roof <laughs> hey it's just a dream nothing can really happen to you splat <laughs> You're going to be okay. Ah. You're going to be okay. Damn you, Dream Kelly. You've killed me again. What is your horoscope sign? I'm a Gemini. And Gem- is that an air sign? Uh, yeah. I wonder if air sign people fly more. I wonder. Because I'm a Capricorn and I have to say my flying in dreams is very limited. Is I it? do other fun things. Different different times in my life, though. Sometimes I fly a lot. Sometimes I don't. You know, I, I'll go years without a flying dream and then I'll have one and I'll wake up and tell, tell my husband, oh my God, I had a flying dream. And he looks at me like, who cares? Like, no one cares about your dreams. <laughs> I love you, but I really don't care. <laughs> No, he says things like, mm, really interesting. And then mm. he turns and sh- reads the paper. <laughs> mm. Mm. I have some interesting uh, quotes here about. We'll be the judge of that. Destiny. You will. Everyone <laughs> will be. Uh, uh, love this one. Made me think. Because it's by Carl Jung. Of course, he always makes me think. You meet your destiny on the road you take to avoid it. You can run, but you can't hide. Uh-huh. I believe that was uh, yeah. The college I mean, loan board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that story about meeting death on the road to Samara. That's yes. that that whole thing where he sees death in the marketplace, and he goes to his master. And he says, "Oh, let me go to Samara because death is here for me." And then he goes and to it, the faraway place, and death shows up there. Right. And, and he says, "I saw you yesterday, and you looked right at me." He says, "Yes, I was surprised to see you there because I knew I was supposed to meet you here." Um, it's that. You yes, know. and mm. and for Jung especially because uh, he really believed that the things we create that that we avoid in our life that we deny, we avoid, we suppress mm. become our shadow, and that what he's saying here is that your shadow you will always meet death, you will always meet the shadow, and always have to deal with it no matter what, and so your destiny, the, you know, as you push these things that you don't want out of your purview, out of your your sight, you know, uh, they're gonna come to meet you you know what's the the 12 step um phrase anyway <clears throat> i have a middle-aged brain i don't have to th- remember anything i've had anymore. a very clear experience of that please. i mean i'd wanted to stop on cabaret mm-hmm. it's just like it's enough mm-hmm. please 
Please, please do something else. I'm done. Take me out of your bonds. <laughs> and then uh, I had a very magical experience, which we probably don't have time for, of finding this room. And I had a million ideas for what to do in that room. And I, you know, and then Mitch, who I'm, you know, working with, was like, let's do on Cabo. I was like, never, never, never again, never again, never again. And then I was convinced to do one show. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, it just felt like, I just felt like, oh... I see. <laughs> I'm not allowed to quit on cabaret. <laughs> yeah. I had stopped. And yeah. it was just like, okay. It seemed like an assignment. It feels to me like I've been assigned to do this thing. I, yeah. It's God's really work. is I get not that. up to me. Yeah. I have no choice, really. I have a choice of how I do it. Mm-hmm. And I have a choice of various things within it. But I don't really have a choice whether or not to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tried yeah. not to do it and it didn't really work. Yeah. Yeah, that's... keep pulling me, Marky. <laughs> yes, it's, so it's basically Uncabaret is the mafia. <laughs> but it's not me. It's like it's right. this other thing, even though it is me. And part of that has to do, and I do feel this is part of the destiny thing, is like when it doesn't have – when you are trying to serve a greater whole, if it's about the whole, mm-hmm. you are in your destiny. If it's about you, you're yeah. in your ego. That's it. That's, a lot of people say, what's your purpose in life? And they say, well, I think I should do I, I, I. No, nah, that's not your purpose. Yeah. It, only that's only what what did you give others yeah is your purpose what you get back for it is whatever you got in the package for having done it well and then that kind of lines up with this bigger point of view of you know if you look at the biological evolution of things i mean we're all we're everything's interconnected it's all a web and therefore we all are here to be for the we no matter what because it's only with the we that this thing called life, ultimately, and this thing called consciousness, which we've been well, given consciousness, with this brain. The know. meaning of consciousness is one of my favorite facts. The meaning of consciousness <laughs> is conscious. It's shus. It's con, which mm-hmm. is with. Mm-hmm. And shus is science, comes from the word science. Consciousness is the science of withness. Mm-hmm. See, there you go. So, so that makes sense that destiny would be connected to that because yeah. it is our – as as these amazing alive life force carrying creatures that have this other upper brain higher brain that also has this ability for language and awareness and all of that that when we're connected to something that's for the whole in some ways that we we do feel like wow this is really I'm on a I'm on a track here you're there's supported something- I think there's something about fate I don't know what you guys would think about this there's a support that comes when you're in your destiny and fate that isn't always the support you want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like exactly how you feel you should get supported. But there is a kind of support that happens. Yeah, yeah. Where people and places show up. I, I mean, think so. you know, when I was without a home and I was, you know, changing my life, support showed up in so many different ways from so many different people. Not even ever usually where I would expect it to. Yeah. And I was carried by by an energy. Well, it's, there's a nature of contribution in what you've been doing since you started uh, L.A. Cabaret in what I think genuinely driven artists and creators do uh, that is recognized by the people around them uh, so that at that moment where they're going, you know, I've been contributing, I've been contributing, I'm contributing and I am fucked, <laughs> then people go, oh, well, uh. You, do you need a couch? Yeah. You know, and, and it sort of, it, you can feel but, it coming back it, when it's needed. Well, yeah. I mean, it's an mm. interesting point because I, I know that, like, when my dad died, I felt that, I mean, I had this 
vision of him the day after he died weird these are the weird other things i was talking about where my the vision was of me in the wings of a theater looking out at an empty stage i'd been there my whole life looking out at the stage and it was empty and it was a spotlight and a single mic- microphone and my dad's voice in my head said to me uh it's you know kelly it's uh it's your turn it's all lined up for you and I, it get, came into my being, this vision, and I knew, I knew it was true and I knew it was real. And I, so I just expected people, places, and things to start showing up immediately. And like, you know, 10 minutes later, the phone rings and it's, you know, Gary Shandling call. Hey, I, I don't, you know, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I want you to know your family now. I love you and I'm taking you in and all these people and, and, and comedians and, and just out of the blue, all this strangeness for like, two years. And, and I kept saying to my husband, I just, I feel like I just have a big yes on my forehead. I, and I decided to say yes. I mean, this is the choice too, is you have to keep your eyes open for it. And I was like, okay, there's just this yes now in my, on my forehead saying to the universe, if it's conscious, hello, read it, says yes. And it felt like all of this, I mean, the strangest doors opening and the did you strangest feel you had places. A no, did you feel you had a conversion from no to yes or that there was a nothing and then yes? I felt like I could have gone either way. I could have said, to, I could have gone, no, I, I'm just going to be this, my small self and I'm going to stay in my house and I'm not going to go out in the world and and go for uh, the the life I really want for myself as a as a writer and a performer and a commentator of the world. Um, but I, I knew it was like, I felt like it was a crossroads, a distinct crossroads where but did I, you feel you had a no first and then you had the vision and it turned <clears throat> into a yes or uh, yes, for sure. Oh, okay. I'd been living in no for a while. Okay. I've been hiding in my dad, okay. definitely well, was, from the shadow of my dad. It was very complicated for you, I think. Yes, because, for sure. Because there was the question of, can I say yes and move forward and have that be mine? Mm-hmm. Or am I somehow saying yes to things that are coming as a result of me still being someone's fucking daughter? Yes, that certainly there's that. And what was amazing was, is I didn't know, my life was so, my, my dad did never introduce me to anyone, never talked about the people uh. he knew in the world and, and, and showbiz, his peers, nothing like that. And uh, suddenly, all of these people, Rick being one of the first ones, uh, <laughs> uh, were Coming to me and saying, you know, hey, oh, we want to take you in and lift oh, you up God, and help how you. Amazing. Yes, and it was, it was that, and that, that for me felt like a moment of but destiny. There were people you didn't know. Zero, zero wow. knew any of those people. I didn't Extended really family. That. Extended family immediately. Yeah, but I mean, they became my. They, I didn't know they were my extended family already, but they kind of did. Oh wow! <laughs> and for them, That's amazing. And it, so it's based partly on clearly the love they have of my father and that sense of community in this business. Um, and, uh, you know, they didn't know me from Adam. You turned out not to be a dick. <laughs> that did help, part I of guess. What it was. Well, maybe, maybe they knew you through your dad must have talked about he you. He must have. I don't know. I have no idea. Did but he? I don't know. Did he? When you reached out to her, did you know of her through her dad? We did a show together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew. We, oh, we'd, we'd met, but but... But, you know, we were like, you know, uh, acquaintances at that mm. point. Then when George was still hale and hearty, I mean, mm. we were acquaintances and yeah. enjoyed her work. And, you know, I figured we'd meet again somewhere down the road. Yeah. And uh, then it 
it rung so deeply into my heart. Yeah. And then to go to the, the ceremony and to sit yeah. and talk, and I realized there's something going on. There's a, another form of destiny here yeah. as we form a sort of uh, a new a new coral reef to protect the, <laughs> the bay and the life of this ecosystem yeah you know? yeah yeah it was it was it's so that for me that was a I definite- feel so and it feels so um god that seems so amazing mm-hmm. and and just also when i hear about you talking about being second generation and you know mm-hmm. growing up and being on the lot it to to be sort of in it as a child and not to come to it as a stranger seems so amazing yeah wonderful to me Seems like magic. Oh, Rick has to go, everyone. Oh, Say it's goodbye his destiny. To it is Rick's it's destiny. <laughs> he has a show tonight. Yes. Oh, where are you playing? I'm at, a, at someone's home. Oh. Uh, it's an event. He's just he's just, just going to do some shtick around uh, a stir fry uh, at the uh, <laughs> at the Levowitz's. Around the skewers. <laughs> is it a fundraiser <laughs> up on the hill like the one yeah. we did together? Oh, oh I love that. Yes, I re- the I'll fundraiser on the hill. Rick. Have fun with the fundraising people on the hill. Go Sanford. Love you, Rick. Thank you for your contributions today. Thank you. So, uh, I don't know where we were, but we'll move on from that. Oh, man. Thank God he's gone. Oh, Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ. (laughs) Here's another great uh, quote. I love quotes. I love when you go to these quote pages and they quote characters in movies. I yeah. just think that's great. Like, why aren't we quoting the, the writer, writer of the I film? Know. <laughs> oh, man. Even, you know, they do that. I was flipping through like a People magazine. I think they have those things of the blurbs mm-hmm. and they have actors with their characters' quotes. Right. It's like, these it's are like, not their words. Not, they didn't say who, that. that oh. They didn't say Somebody, that. Someone sweated and cleaned their house for many <laughs> hours before coming up with that line. <laughs> Uh, but this one is, uh, we can't run from who we are. Our destiny chooses us. What do you think about that? Well, that is that? the whole idea of destiny. Yeah. Is that you have no, it's not. Yes, you have no choice. Yeah. That's, well, that's the that idea one. of fate. Yeah, yeah. See, this is the difference. There's a difference between fate and destiny here. It's subtle, fate, though. Fate is the unchangeable future that is preordained. I'm fated. I am fated to okay. die alone and unloved. Right. I, I, um, <laughs> Just that, for example, not that that's Dylan, in my head at Dylan, all. that's your inside voice. I, uh, <laughs> inside your head voice. Um, uh, is different from, I, I believe I have this destiny to die alone and unloved, and therefore I will <laughs> take action that puts me in that place. Uh-huh. The destiny is the, the thing that can be chased, that can be altered, that can be uh, mm. explored. Seduced and shaped. And, and, and massaged. Massaged. Whereas the the idea of fate is, you know, the three old ladies put the tapestry together in advance and then yeah. you're stuck in that. Yeah, I was I was reading about the fates, the Greek fates. Uh, I just, something about this I love. They are, there's three of them and, uh, oh, did I not type it down? Damn it, damn it. No, it was on the sheet. It was, it was on oh. the sheet that you sent. Yeah. Oh, okay. In my head, they are directly connected to the muses. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's yes. very, very similar. Yes, it is. And and that's why it feels like. Oh, here it is. There's a Clotho, the spinner. Clotho. That's funny. Too. Yeah, it's the Marx Brothers of the Fates. <laughs> <laughs> Clotho. <laughs> Weavo and Lumo. <laughs> uh, there's Lachesis. I'm saying these horribly. Uh, the allotter. That's like a latch. The one who the allots. One who, who locks it or doesn't lock it? Uh, maybe, but a lot. It's like, you know, d- d- doles yes. it out. Yes. And then Atropos. Oh, there's four of them. Unturnable. No, three. Clotho, oh. Lachesis, and Atropos 
unturnable. So that's the one who like locks it in. It sounds like, but I like that there's like the spinner, and then there's the allotter, and then there's, there's the untur- one that's unturnable and one that spins. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> it is. is it spinning or not spinning? But that idea was originally that even like at times Zeus couldn't change what they had determined. Right. Oh, that's how uh-huh. fate worked. It was the gods couldn't even turn stuff around. The gods could maybe work within the fate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if your fate is, let's be more optimistic. To die happy and with <laughs> other people but, around but you. I like, don't understand. But almost like fate has like this dark, dark. kind of thing. It it's does sound fate. ominous, fate. It, it does. does. It has an, it's like fate. Fate. It also sounds, yeah, faded. Do you remember fated. Al Cleathan? Al Cleathan was a comic when, when you and I were working out early, early on in the 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 days of a long time ago when the horse is um, pulling the carriage yes i don't know what yes. he's talking about you weren't born yet no. when i was working with al cleveland but he used to have a thing about how his uh his mother used to say to him you don't want to die like your uncle arthur alone and penniless and all i could think was well that sounds like perfect timing and a hell of a budget <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <laughs> truly exactly I, I don't want to die at a party when i'm rich <laughs> What a way to go. But, you know, also destiny has the word destination attached to it. Mm -hmm. So destination implies sort of where you arrive to. Your destiny is where you get to again. Yes, there's a place to that. Whereas your fate is something you might live all your days long. It's my fate to be a woman. I just, I'm fated to be, I might like to be a man, but right. my fate is that I'm a woman. Right, And right. your fate is that you're, you know, you're the daughter of somebody very famous, but your des- your destiny yeah. is how it's going to end up. Yeah. So That's there's, sort of the, so the, yeah, we are, we're back to that where the fate is, maybe there's something about that we can't change the fate. Right. But destiny, we can. Your destination, the same destination can be have many different uh, iterations mm-hmm. your destiny could be to die with to keep a different vision okay <laughs> say unhappy and alone let's go with your darkness let's unhappy just, say, let's and just alone. keep me comfortable can we please <laughs> just keep, keep, him, keep him in his comfort but zone you know, jesus that can that can look so many different ways it has the same essential emotional sort of uh yeah ding on dish, you know truth but it, it could have a million different pictures yeah yeah well and it feels like and i was looking at this other one here which is that um uh, there's this paragraph I found about from Osho, who's a spiritual oh, teacher, Osho, right? Yeah. So he says, there is no Isn't fate. the whale? At- <laughs> <laughs> the, Osha. Maybe. Oh, sorry. I oh, no, that's the, that's the that's safety the organization. Safety or, never yeah. mind, yeah. He says, there is no fate, no destiny. You are just trying to dump your responsibility on something that does not exist. You fail in love, you fail in other matters. It hurts that you have failed. You need some kind of ointment for your wounded heart. Fate is a beautiful ointment and freely available. You don't have to pay for it. You can say, what can I do? So on the other, so on the one hand, you are saved from feeling inferior. On the other hand, your jealousy enjoys the idea that the successful person is successful only because fate has determined it that way. Oh, I don't like Osha anymore. <laughs> this is really, this is really how I always felt about religiosity. I think it's Rumi who I like. That's it. That's who it is. Rumi. <laughs> 
That's great. Um, I, I always felt that all sort of magical thinking religiosity yes. was a giving up of responsibility for our own actions. Yes. Um, whether it's the, the Christian kind that says, and then anytime you can say, I love that guy and you get a reset, or the Judaic <laughs> kind that says, uh, you know, what we do, we carry with us forever and it, it is God's will and we must simply suffer under it. Um, being it, faded. Yeah. I, I think it's all a giving up of responsibility for how we take action in the moment, regardless of our situational. Uh... Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, they've, they've, they're basically finding that the brain, the human brain is hardwired for this and that it's in every culture and it's a universal thing. And there's a lot of things about religion that you know, a wide, wide swath of things about religion that are healthy and unhealthy. But this, you know, I think originally it was to explain the things that we really didn't have control over and that we, we and weren't explained, you know, obviously we explain a lot of things scientifically now, but there's so much we don't have control over. I mean, we, f- fate comes into our life and, you know, the car accident or do we cause it or anyway, the tornado. You know, something you can, I mean, you know, to go to the serenity prayer, which is one of the most genius prayers. Very true. You know, change the things I can. Yes. Which is, you can always change yourself. Yeah. Right, you and that is all you power. can. Well, sometimes you can change other things too, but you can bit. certainly always change yourself. You have the power to change your attitude. You often you have the power to change your action. You have the power to change your thoughts. I mean, a lot of it yes. is can is 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 you you have like five hundred thousand thoughts a day or something like Some that. Some craziness, and yes. you know how I have twelve. <laughs> Over and over and over. Again. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it equals five hundred thousand, <laughs> and four hundred thousand are about food, and one hundred thousand are about dying alone unhappily, and three of them are about you. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I mean, it's like in some ways, are you fated to your experience is so created by your mind? Yes. So completely. in a sense, are you fated to have those thoughts over and over again, or? Is your destiny to be somebody who can change your thought pattern, who can say, I don't have self-pity. I don't have, you know, I I don't have self-involvement. Right. And I think that's Osho's point is that, you know, if you take fate as this fait accompli or whatever it is, you know, that it's, you're disempowering yourself. Right. Completely disempowering. And But I think he's so too radical. I mean, I think it's too radical. He's a spiritual teacher. He's there to slap you away. I do like to use anointment. Yes, I know. It's and that- salves are good too. Salve, a salve, 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 salve. 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 It's like farver. Can never say that right. Uh, yes, there. Are, that whole thing about being able to change your thinking is. Uh, it's a bitch when you want to be in stuck in your own thinking and are really committed to that particular thought. You know, I mean, I lived a good 10 years in the victim, probably more victim thought, you know. And it's and, so insidious and sneaky. And you don't even always realize And it's powerful it. in itself because you're the power you get is everything hates me and there's some sort of sense of purpose and power you get from that. And I don't know if this happens to people outside of the arts. I just – I don't know how I, – I genuinely don't know how the brains of people who aren't in the arts work. But I have had the experience and I – you know, I'm I'm realizing that I'm doing it today. I have shtick about I'm going to die alone and I'm going to die unloved and all that stuff. And it, eventually it becomes shtick. I have jokes about it and I have – you know, I have a book out called The Modern Depression Guidebook that is about all that stuff. Right. And then 
suddenly I'm on stage at a certain point and I go, oh, wait, I don't believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. But now I have 12 minutes on it. (laughs) Do I have to give up the 12 minutes and change my thinking? Or do I have to keep the 12 minutes and lose it? Exactly. Uh, And this is how I've changed. And then how, how does one allow evolution when one's living depends on yes the shtick well you have to talk about that you have to you know you have to give yourself a break number one and let yourself do it if you have to if you're you're a professional but number two the next step is to try to write from this place of i did believe this yeah and you don't have to throw it away but you have to say oh wait i don't i thought this but something's changing in me, and now I think that. I had I had a conversation yeah. with Marin a couple of weeks ago where I was saying you That's know, Mark Marin. You know that you're allowed to evolve beyond this particular neurosis. Right. Right. You're not your career won't go away if you let that and you know, there's defensiveness and there was me feeling like an idiot because why am I giving him advice? Because he's so much more advanced in his career than I am, and there's all of that going on in the conversation. But it was all going on in my head. Yeah, how how often do I stop myself from evolving to a next thing because I've gotten comfortable with the jokes I've written about this place? Hey, you know, I, I- it's hard. We, it I makes think me think of my dad. I mean, you know, he was very successful in the 60s with short hair and doing Indian Sergeant, doing all the Irish yeah. guys in the neighborhood and doing the Indian Sergeant and, you know, 10,000 different variations because that's what Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas wanted. And, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a terrifying thing to walk around, walk away from something that's working in that sense. And yet if it's not, if you if you stop tapping into your truth, then that's when I think the the faucet stops of the creativity and the imagination. You know, I mean that's, and then you're destined to die alone, with penniless. Thank you. <laughs> and back to my comfort zone. Oh, God. Oh, for a minute there, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> well, and then this this comes up to you know, the idea of choice. You know, those choice points in our life where, you know, sometimes you need to shit. It's like you have your. Of but when. uh, I mean, in some ways, it's like you could say, well, then the destiny is to make the choice. I mean, you're destined to have that choice and to make that choice that you just, this is, you can't run, you can't hide. I mean, you're destined to have that choice. You're destined to make the choice you made. You're destined to um, experience the pain that that bad choice is going to give you. I mean, you know, it's really, to me, the greatest comfort that through pain, you know, your heart does sort of break open. And it is all really only through pain that you connect compassionately to, I mean, when I think, I once heard in, in woo-woo reading, I once heard somebody say, you know, if you're here on earth now, you volunteered to be here, which is a very particular way of talking about it. But I do find some sort of, I feel a resonance with that idea. It, it is a faded idea that you volunteered, your soul chose, your soul chose to be on earth now to help earth. We're talking about a very particular time of right. transition in culture, in energies. The earth itself is changing. We're in a geophysical situation. We're in a, you know, evolution in, of, you know, age of Aquarius kind of thing. There's a lot that's happening. So if you're here now, right, it may not be you're fated to eat that sandwich. Right. <laughs> Wait, there's a sandwich? 
I mean, that you have to look at levels, but you may be faded to in general. You might be here. There have been times I've been in so much pain and I just think, oh, this isn't about me at all. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I feel at all. I'm here as a support to somebody else's story in this moment. Mm-hmm. This isn't even my story. It doesn't matter what I feel. I'm here for person B and and I'll just keep on keeping on because this is their story. Right, right. So, th- so then I get back to, you know, yeah. <laughs> my pain. But I have had it. Yeah. Well, and I, but you know, and I think once again, it's a, it's a framing. You're choosing a framing. I, I know when I also connect to that sense of, you know, okay, I'm here at this time and Maybe my soul volunteered to be here in this part of the 20th, 21st century, and I have certain gifts, and I was born into a certain family, and and maybe that's part of my destiny. That does help me shape my choices, my dedication, my vision, my courage – Mm-hmm. shows up differently in that moment. Responsibility. Respons- you accept your responsibility. I accept something. Whether it's true or not, I cannot know. No. But I know that I feel I feel more ready to 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 show up in the morning and show up in life and take the leaps that scare the shit out of me, the individual, the personal person, in order to possibly have, I don't know, some impact. And I don't and I don't walk around thinking also, well I'm here to save something. I mean I don't do that. But I do feel like, oh, like it is, there is something, there's a comfort in knowing it isn't about me. Well, it's there's probably something about bigger. gratitude. I mean, if you live in gratitude for all that you have, you naturally give. Yeah. The, I mean, you know. Yeah, that makes, I, I, I'm having a hard time with this because everything you're saying about where it gets you makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as the soul comes up, I am baffled by the idea. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's like, it's like. It's as, it's like you're telling yourself a narrative. You're you're building a narrative for your life. Right. And and so I don't know why uh, you know, but and it's not necessarily you have to believe in anything, but it's there's something about well if I choose to see it this way, this certain thing happens in my body and courage shows up and vision shows up and and optimism shows up. And wow, that's a much more interesting, fun way to wake up in the morning huh. than, oh my God, uh, the Amex is due and, <laughs> um, I can't, you know, I did, did the, the refi go through and what's that thing in my side? Am I dying of cancer or, you know, there's just, it's, it's a choice of a mindset. See, I find all of that optimism. All of that joy of contributing uh, settles into me when I allow myself to genuinely believe that I am nothing but a human being here for a limited time. Whatever, however you get there, it doesn't well, matter. That's your narrative that you that that's right. the one you choose for you. Because what the what the most important thing I think is is how do you get yourself into the mindset? What what is it that you need to? connect to and disconnect from also, in order to get there. People have different – my belief is that there are different experiences and th- that fact that you believe that – No, everybody may- must feel the way I feel. <laughs> I, I will kill them all. But I mean maybe you are – maybe some people incarnate – have souls that incarnate many times. Maybe you were here once. Or I actually once had a psychic say you've never been here before and you have no intention of coming back. <laughs> She was true, talking about her office. <laughs> <laughs> her office. <laughs> the physical plane's not so much for you. <laughs> I was 
was like, I do feel awkward in the physical world. You, that doesn't make resonance <laughs> with me. You were just here to try starbursts. It's the strangest <laughs> thing. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Weirdest we did, that's thing. all we got was to hear to do starbursts. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. It. I don't. I think it's a very personal. Um, connection. I uh, had a, a great time in December. I got to go to a weekend where I studied some neurolinguistic programming, which is very much what I'm kind of talking about here. And what I love about it is when they're when they're that's they, basically people have studied they've studied geniuses or studied really successful people and said. What is the thinking you do to get to that thing? What are the habits of mind? What are the routines inside of your head that you use? That's really all it is. And they figured out that all thinking comes with two different things, pictures and words, three different things, pictures, words, and a sensation, a somatic experience. Four, four different things. No. Pictures, no, words, three. music. Picture, <laughs> where, picture <laughs> words. And, and, and your brain, uh, creates uh, narratives around all of that pictures, words, sensations. And so when we're doing these exercises and it's a place called five changes that I did this with, it's my old Buddhist teachers actually have gone into NLP. Uh, they're like, we don't care what the personal story is. We don't care what your blah, blah, blah is. You just, whatever you, however you need to fashion it to get to that place, you do it. It's your personal choice, how you get to a sense of joy, because joy, anchoring in joy is a big part of the work. And for me, it was like anchoring in what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm anchored in terror most of the time. Uh, and and so I don't think it matters what the storyline is. If it's for you that it's you're just a human being here. For me, too, like, you know, when I watch Cosmos, the old Cosmos, and I can't wait till the new one comes out with Neil deGrasse Tyson. When I watch Cosmos, something about knowing that we are just this little speck in a universe just empowers me in an incredible way. You know, there's no God involved. There's no conscious universe. There's no destiny. There's just this thing. And yet I connect also to my power from that place. Yeah. I feel, I feel as though that's a guess. Mm -hmm. I, there's this huge span of impossible time from the Big Bang yes. to the end of whatever the hell happens. And within that, I have 80, 90 years yes. in which to do something. That's optimistic right, right there. Yes. Do something. <laughs> so here's uh, that's that's what I think is cool. So so right. And so here's what Katriana, yeah. my former Buddhist teacher who does this NLP now, she starts off the retreat with this. She says, It took fifteen billion years of evolution for you to be here. You happen to be born in this country which is an amazingly rich country during this particular time, which is a time of technology and medicine and all sorts of things. How dare you not feel joy every single day? I like it when my spiritual leaders are scoldy. Right? <laughs> but but in, a, in a sense of like, why wouldn't you choose joy every morning? Yeah. It took you 15 billion years to get here. I love that. That's for me. That's quite a schlep. Fifteen million. <laughs> a the, I tell you, the Jewish in me says, uh, <laughs> "I'm right. tired. I'm exhausted." <laughs> Someone should have asked for directions earlier. I feel my entire yeah. you know the the quest to feel joy is partly uh, to not be Jewish. <laughs> 
but that's not really true. There's a lot of joy there's in, a lot in of mystical joy. Judaism, yes. but not in conservative. Uh, there's a lot. There's a strain of Judaism. I mean, that's in every every tradition. Absolutely, yeah, there's, there's a strain of bagel Jews to just crush every feeling with there, white flour. There's a great deal of uh, gray Russian sky <laughs> that is embedded in my DNA. Yes, yes. That, uh, my Irish also, melancholy, and I, I think you know. also, you know, to to just be blunt, you know, to get over in your family within your family tree is something like the Holocaust, is something like, you know, for black Americans, slavery. Yeah. This is in your blood. Yeah. This kind of pain. It is. This isn't, you can't fuck around with that. It's, you know, that's not like, how dare you not wake up with joy? Okay, well, mm, I'm just going to say, you know, in my family, they're just afraid that, you know, the people in charge are going to come kill us. If I may. For sure. I'm just going to say that, not that joyful a feeling. My, For sure. My grandmother is the one, I, I attribute it to my grandfather in my novel, but it was my grandmother who said to me, we are Jews, we do not believe in tragedy. We uh, believe in horror, atrocity, and injustice, and we know they're all hilarious. Wow. Oh, that's a great quote. Uh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and when I was eight, I said to her, I'm going to camp, I'm going to learn to play guitar, I'm going to ride horses, and without missing a beat, she said, yeah, I went to a camp once. Oh, my <laughs> and God. It was such a great moment. It was, a, it was a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, there were lots of people God. around us. And it, like, it took a second for everyone to realize how fucking funny it was. Yes. Oh. And, and there's something about realizing that our ancestors uh, did suffer a lot. And yet uh, we, we have not, the power to change. We are not suffering yeah, in, this, we ha- in, in this life, That's what, in I mean, this decade. So, but, you know, I think that for us, us yeah. a lot of people are suffering on this planet right now, of course. Yes. And I yeah. just think that that's where something, some of these things we're talking about, the choice, you mm-hmm. just go, well, break the cycle. Yeah. You know, and break the cycle. Yeah. You know, it's in your blood. And you talk about somatic experience. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, well, we're all given pain. I mean, pain is a blessing like every other blessing. Sure. Um, it's information. It's information. But it's also, it's a kind of information that softens you. Yes. I mean, it's a transforming, like, there's something so annoying about people who are happy that have no pain behind it. <laughs> I mean, just the, oh. you see these just happy, happy it's, people it's that like, have never didn't have to work to get there. It's and like, it's like, oh, shut up! It's like three years ago on the Grammys, Carrie Underwood, you know that girl who won American Idol. She sang "Desperado," and, and it was just, just the silliest silly. thing in the world. You I, haven't ridden fences. <laughs> what are you? She had no concept on any level. Any bit of the truth of what that song Someday is I'll about. understand that song. <laughs> there are some songs that's just like, I think I oh, understand. That song, I live in the, it's uh, so good. the melancholy. But yeah. she was just like, you know, and I'm just looking at her going, yes, who chose this song for this chick? Right. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. The you know well, song does that to me comfortably that, numb. But comfortably numb does that to me. Destiny. Mm-hmm. You, when you say, who chose that song for this chick? Yeah. That is what it feels like when you're not in your right life. Yeah. Who chose this life for this chick? Yeah. She's not in, she's not singing the right song. That is the simplest version yeah. of whether you're and in your it, real life or not. And, and I point my stir at her, uh, that we must go through those moments of not being in our destiny because they just ultimately lead us to yeah. our destiny. Sure. You, you know, Producers have to pay for the draft of the screenplay they don't use as well. Yes. Sometimes you just need to find out what isn't right. Right. Yeah. Before you can get on yeah. to the next draft. You have to, well, you have to write this, ha- the wrong Can sentence. I have to tell a little mini metaphorical story? Please. 
I had um, well, I was in the desert and had a masseuse, and I was saying, "Well, I went." Wait, to, wait. I, know. <laughs> I was in the desert. <laughs> Palm Springs. Oh, 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 oh point oh, that out. I was the I'm desert. Sorry. She wasn't like was so she confused. wasn't in the tribes I think it gives of Israel. Us the wrong idea. I was in the desert. <laughs> I think of it as the desert. I, was I understand now. I was. I thought, oh, this really is a metaphorical story. <laughs> well, I was trying to make no. it metaphorical. Okay. I was in the desert. Yes, yeah. uh, I was getting the archetype of mythological theme scenes. <laughs> of it. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. In the desert, getting yeah, a massage. That's what I say. Well, we went years. on this. We went on this, you know, trail. We took a walk up in this thing. He says, "Oh, go on this other trail. It's much, so much better trail." So go up on the other trail, and then it's suddenly sunset, and then it's like, "Oh, well, the, uh, oh, oh, wait, where are we?" Absolutely lost. And I say the desert because then it's you get the feeling yeah. of what it feels like. It's really wilderness out there. You say Palm Springs, you think pools yes. and martinis. Right. Yeah. I see. You okay. know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're up on the mountain and now yeah. it's the sun's going down fast behind mm. that mountain and yep. it's getting cold. And it's like, oh my God. So we get off the trail and but it was so scary to be on the trail and then we lost the trail. Mm-hmm. The trail disappeared mm. before our very eyes. Mm. And I said to him, I next time I saw him, I was like, you know, we went on that trail and I, I something we got, I said, Oh yeah, I should have told you there's a lot of ghost trails up there. <laughs> I was like, that is definitely something you should have mentioned. <laughs> but I think there is that idea of a mm. ghost trail. Mm. You're on your, tra- you're, it's like a ghost destiny. Mm. It's around your destiny. Right. Yes. And it's near your it destiny. It might look like it your is, destiny. And your destiny is adjacent to it. <laughs> I'm destiny adjacent right but, now. But in a way, part of the Part of the joy is this chat. I mean, it's like a game. I sometimes think on dark days, I was like, this whole thing is a video game. We're all just players in this video game. Yeah. We're these little things. And the whole thing is we're playing against God. And God. <laughs> we have to work our way up the levels and then kill God. <laughs> well, I'm on a ghost trail again. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right, people, we have run out of time here. Uh, well, we've made I, you laugh. I, I thought you said it was an hour and a half. It's 622 right no now. Shit. No I know. Way. Crazy. Crazy. We did it. Crazy. We did do it. Uh, and I wanted to leave a few moments because, uh, well, we'll do that in a moment. But I uh, wanted to just, uh, you guys mention anything you need to promote right now or anywhere you're going to be, a show you want to do you're doing uh, my people- novel laughs last available at amazon buy a copy it is funny it is sweet it has it's a great blurb from carl reiner yes and i believe i'm doing a beth lapidus show <laughs> in march no, yes. she yes. Uh, <laughs> she is the adorable human sitting to my left oh that's right of a, a say the word a say the word show at the scribble cultural center and um and I can't wait to have you. It's a petting zoo. I can't wait to be here. It's going to be fun. And every Sunday, Beth does her own cabaret downtown LA. At First and Hope. Uh, Celebrating 20 years of making me feel rejected. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, you are going to die a little oh. bit. <laughs> Uh, I'd like That's to as part of your destiny for that. <laughs> I would like to promote uh, Uncabri on Amazon. We have four episodes. And also, I don't know if you know that I started to do a podcast. <gasps> Un- That's right, you did. Uncabri Unstaged, and we're up on iTunes. And I think your listeners might enjoy it quite a bit. And you got some amazing guests That's on fun. that. We ask the, I, ask, I ask guests one question only. Oh. What makes you you? Oh, it's my Lord. an unanswerable Beautiful. and provocative question. You are awesome. And then, thank you, you're we awesome. You and then at the end of the um, 
at the end of the half hour, it's only half hour, uh, Mitch sings them their own personal theme song. Oh. And clearly uh, I've not listened. I am, I'm putting you on my list and, and I'm listening. That's it's, a great Beth, format. That is amazing. Thank very you. Cool. Very cool. And we've had Daniel Radcliffe, who you might know as Harry Potter. You just on. might know him as Harry Lily Potter. Lily Taylor was amazing to talk to. Very, very great. Listen, Anna Gasteyer, oh. uh, also super fun. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, <clears> check out Beth's uh, Uncabaret. Uncabaret on stage. On stage. On stage. Unstaged. On iTunes. Uh, uh, and uh, next, in two weeks, I've got another show, uh, another podcast coming up. We have Annabelle Gerwich on her new book, I See You Made an Effort, we'll be discussing, which is uh, funny, funny stories and moments from life. And should be the book, uh, as Bill Maher says, should be read by anyone from the ages 40 to death. Uh, uh, because it's about us people who've lost our minds and have a little too much in the middle section. <clears throat> and um, what else? Oh, uh, the last few weeks, I did uh, a Doug Benson video podcast <laughs> called Getting Doug with High, where I smoked pot with him and Paul Provenza and laughed my ass off. And then I also did Danny LaBelle's uh, Modern Philosophers podcast. I did that podcast. Fanta- also another great format. He His producer picks a philosopher and they they give you some quotes and you figure out what this person is and how they apply to your life. And it was really, really very, Did you very get cool. affection from his dogs during the show? I did. They're very, oh, very God, cute. Oh, God, that's wonderful. And so we're going to go out today. Um, four years ago, I had the immense honor and pleasure to um, interview uh, Sid Caesar. And uh, I, I went to his home, and he was ill. He's been he was weak and sick, and he has been for years. And it, he was in his hospital gown in his bed, and I sat with him for three hours in his house and did an in depth interview. And I think he needed to talk, and I think it was probably the last interview he did. Oh my in his god, Cal! So this is uh, from my. Um, my laugh.com interview, which you can find all this stuff on um, iTunes. If you Google Sid Caesar, this is just a small little five minute excerpt from the interview on uh, the joy of performing and uh, Sid Caesar. And uh, it's really quite an honor. Oh. So uh, everyone have a great few weeks and we'll talk later. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. Always bums me out when Sid Caesar passes did, away. Did you think that you were going to go into your dad's business when you got older or how did, like, how did you get into sh- to show like you went in this direction of showbiz suddenly so it seems like such a, an incongruent thing for you somebody left a saxophone in my father's restaurant and we, he held it for 30 days and he turned and gave it into the police department he put it there and the police nobody came in for the police department so they gave the saxophone back to my father and mine, but I came, I used to eat lunch at my father's restaurant. And I came in for lunch and he said, Sidney, yeah, Pop, you're playing saxophone. Why? Because somebody left one here. <laughs> you're not going to buy a saxophone, which was about almost $40. Forty dollars, you know, that was like, oh boy. And uh, I picked up the saxophone, and I was pretty good at it, you know. I that I made sense to me. You could figure out the scale, and you had to get a tone, and so you worked on your tone, and you worked on the mechanics, you know.
But reading music, when it, you know you first get it, you don't know how it's going to go. Well, we used to hear it over the radio. You know, we used to have musical programs and. Oh, I used to listen to Amos and Andy. Oh, that was a funny. To me, that was one of the funniest programs. Ever. What what was it about that 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 was funny for you? Well, he said, "I'm going to show you a house today. It's a stucco house. Uh, this house was made by stucco, so you got to really have." And if you buy the house, you're going to be the stucky. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a play on language certainly is part of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden I said, oh, that's, uh, you know, and I tried to figure it out. And I thought about, well, you got to take things that people know about. You can't come off the wall all the time. You have to make a subject and then play every angle of the subject. If you're going to make a joke, make a, shot, a joke about the subject. And then I can relate to it. But off the wall was good too, but not all the time. You, because if, it, if you're in the middle of a sketch and something comes off the wall, they forget what the thrust was. The thrust of the sketch was what you were doing. And I learned that very fast, that you don't go away from a subject. You can make a joke on a subject, you can make your reactions from the subject, but the subject is the main thing. Because that's what we're talking about. And something from left field may be funny, maybe not, but it's going to detract from what you're doing. Well, That's what I like about George. When Carmen did stuff, everything was related to the stuff because you had to take your stuff with you and you put it away so it would become your stuff over there. <laughs> Since you were both a writer and a performer, uh, what were the you were talking about the joy of writing? What what was the joy of performing for you? Performing was the was the ultimate. You're doing it. Not only are you writing it and helping writing it, you're doing it. I remember we did one thing called Hugo the Rain. It was a butt went on in the body when living. So I was the brain, I was saying, I gave orders. And he gave orders back. Make him chew, for Christ's sake, make him chew. Chew up, we got stuff going here, we can't fit into the furnace, we gotta get it in. Tell him to chew. I said, all right. Give him a heartburn. All right, and he does it. He gets a shovel and torch, and he gets it. Yeah. And now we, 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 go, we go back. All right, he's getting ready to kiss her. 
Everybody hold on, hold on. He's going to get ready to kiss her. We're getting close, we're getting closer. All right, you you give with the tears and you get over here. And think, 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 think. Wonderful things to say. Wonderful things to say. Yeah, okay, all right. Our arms, get around, but don't touch anything, you know. Just keep it straight. Don't try to go for anything. And uh, okay, they're gonna stop the kiss now. Okay, you may, don't wipe your lips. No, don't wipe your lips. Oh, Jesus. What's the hell's the matter with you? Wipe your lips. The girl you love, you wipe his lips. <laughs> and we had a great thing with that. They wanted to do more, I said. It's going to get repetitious. You can only do it once. I said, we can't do it again. It's too special a thing. But the first one was very funny. And it was something new, you know. At least it was an attempt. Some of the characters that you did, did you come up with the characters on your own, or did the writers come up with that? Well, it was a combination, you know. You talk about something, you talk it over, talk it over. And it takes a form. Like, well, we did a... uh, The writing of a show, you know, how it takes form and how you mm-hmm. talk about it, and you talk yourself into it. Now you got to play the character and to transform the words. And I never allowed cards because everybody's going, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You are going to have one of the finest of the you got to make these. So you wanted the eye contact and the connection. That's it. Yeah. Also, you could help the other guy out because you can tell when he's going to go up. Because it goes... Weren't you expecting a telephone call? Yeah, I... Yeah. So, so you were all out there together. Oh, yeah. Keeping it going. If I forgot something, I would get help. Mm. We couldn't have a guy with a book come out and say, it's this or that. So you help each other out. Did you do any improvisation while... Oh, sure. Mm. You know, it would come to you, you know, because you're performing. It's a different thing than when you're rehearsing. Mm. And you find a lot of things in rehearsal, too. A lot of things. But sometimes you get it on performance. And when I used to work with Imogene or any of the guys, they could tell. I could tell when she was going to go and I'd let her go. But she always came back with the, with the right thing. And if I find something, she knew I was going to go. And uh, it was that you, you made room. It, it sounds like there was a lot of trust in your relationship with Oh, your... yeah, you have to have. 
because you trust the writing and you trust yourself. That's the big thing to trust. When you have to trust yourself, that's a real commitment. And you got to do it. And if you can help somebody, wait an extra second and say, weren't you, uh, and lead them in. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Hey, Kev, it's time to record a new Smodcast. Fuck off. I'm listening to one of the other great shows on the Smodcast Podcast Network. Scott? There's so many to choose from. You damn skimpy, there's so many to choose from. I'm on five every week myself, man. Uh, Hollywood Babylon on Monday, Smodcast with you on Tuesday, Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old on Wednesday with Jay Muse, Fat Man on Batman every Thursday, and then I wrap up the week with Education with Andy McElfrish. There's so many to choose from. Hell yeah, son, and those aren't the only podcasts. Those are just the ones I'm involved with. What about the podcasts of Smodco that don't feature me, man, like Tell Em Steve Dave, Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe, I Sell Comics with Ming and Mike. There's so many to choose from. Hey, man, there's also Film School Fridays or NetHeads or Get Up On This, Team Jack. There's so many to choose from. The Breaks, man, Waking from the American Dream, Bagged and Boarded, Phoebe, Soundbite Nation. These are all the shows you could be listening to over at Smodcast.com, Scott. There's so many to choose from. And if audio's not enough for you, man, if you're just like, no, I want the thick dick of video as well, man, we can go to our YouTube channel, which is C-Smod, or you can watch Comic Book Men, our show on AMC, following The Walking Dead and The Talking Dead every Sunday. Night. There's so many to choose from. That's right, Scott. There are so many to choose from. So get choosing, kids. Go to smodcast.com. Start getting picky, man. Stick these sweet, sweet oral sounds into your ear pussies. There's so many to choose from. You said that already. There's so many to choose from.